Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There are 3,000 promises in the Word of God where God has given you His Word, His promise. 3,000. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Because, like you just said, if God can't break His Word, and He can't, and He's given us 3,000 promises in His Word, oh, that's a good thing. You better believe it's a good thing. Did you know that if you reflected on just one of God's promises each day, it would take years before you ran out? The Bible contains thousands of solid promises. That's incredibly good news. In today's teaching, Pastor J.D. describes God's amazing rescue of his children, including protection for you as well. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 8 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He will pass through Judah. He will overflow and pass over. He will reach up to the neck and the stretching out of his wings will fill the breadth of your land. This is speaking of the king of Assyria. Now, keep in mind, This will not happen with Ahaz. This will happen with his son, Hezekiah. And this is exactly what ends up happening as recorded in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. That's when Assyria reaches the neck of Jerusalem, comes flooding in, with 185,000 men. And they get to the neck of Jerusalem to destroy it. But God has an angel put to death this Assyrian army of 185,000 men overnight. And we're told in 2 Kings, man, when we were studying through 2 Kings, I remember teaching this. I went back into my archive notes. So fascinating. So get this, in the morning, here's the Assyrian army, 185,000 men strong, and they wake up in the morning and they see them and they're all dead. I want you to picture the scene. This actually happened. That's a lot of men. And for again, those of you that have been to Israel with us, picture this around the city walls of Jerusalem. It's a lot of bodies piled one upon the other. 185,000. Let's try to put that into perspective. Let's just say for purpose of discussion that Kaneohe proper is about 40,000. Is that about right? Let's just take the whole windward side. Let's say eh, 125,000. We're going to have to go town (laughs) to get to 185,000 people. These are actual men, and they're all dead. And God killed them? Well, actually, God sent a no-name angel. I I just, I love it when God does this. It's kind of like, um, 
you know, here's Gabriel over here, Michael. You would think he would go to Gabriel or Michael. He does not go to Gabriel or Michael. He just, you know, hey, let's, uh, oh, you're an intern? Hey, let's, I uh, got 185,000 Assyrian men. You think you can handle it? Hey, send me. Here am I, <laughs> right? An unnamed angel goes down and I heard a teaching. This was many years ago. And, you know, you got these, you know, uh, I, they have names for them. They're, the titles are just, ah, oh, they're just absurd. You know, where they're, they're going to judge the Scriptures instead of the Scriptures judging them. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, kind of, uh, these are the same people, by the way, that try to explain away the parting of the Red Sea. Oh, it was the, you know, the, the, at certain times in that area, they can have these high winds. And, you know, it's not really that deep. And so the winds came, and it, it, that can happen, you know, where there's, you know, the, the, a parting because of the winds and low tide. And so that, that's very, you know, explainable. And then you go, wow, cool. So that's even a bigger miracle because then God drowned the Egyptians in like, what, four inches of water? No, these, no, this is for real. That's the kind of stuff these people try to come up with. And they came up with one for this one, these 185,000. So you know what this one is? Apparently there were these big rats. They must have been really big rats. I mean, they must have, they must have had backpacks and carried, you know, luggage. I mean, these were some big rats. And they, there was thousands of them, and they bit these Assyrian men in this Assyrian army, and they got, you know, whatever the, you know, what, what are those rat-infested diseases? What is it? Rabies, yeah. That, that, so that, that explains it. Like, wow. That's kind of a bigger miracle even then, because that's a lot of rats. All at one time. 185,000 men, by the way, we're told the number. That's even a bigger miracle. Cool, we can go with that if you want, whatever floats your boat. What's my point? And I have a point, believe it or not. <laughs> it's seen in the last two words of verse 8. O Emmanuel. Watch this. God had given His Word, God's Word, to David, that the Savior of the world, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior of the world would be born from His lineage. If Assyria is able to invade Judah and capture Jerusalem and depose this king to put in their puppet king, because that's what they wanted in the first place, then that severs the line of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And um, oh, by the way, and it's also in 2 Kings 18 and 19, uh, I gave David my word. Uh, oh, by the way, Ahaz, even for your son Hezekiah, who's a good king, by the way, one of only nine, I'm not even doing it for your son, I, I, saving Jerusalem. I'm not doing it for you, for sure, Ahaz. So don't be getting any ideas here. I'm not going to let them 
take Jerusalem. I'm going to kill every single one of them because I gave my word to David. Do you realize that in God's word, that's what God's word is? God's word? You know how we say it? I give you my word. And hopefully your word is your bond, and you're a man or a woman of your word. Your yes is yes, and your no is no. And so when you give someone your word, it's a done deal. Now, we're man, fallen. When God gives you His word, done deal. God's given you His word. I know this isn't proper sentence structure or proper English, but God can't not keep His word. If God's given you His word, He's going to keep His word. And that's why they were spared. Oh, Assyria still came. That was the prophecy. They hastened to the spoil, but God intervened. Why? Because of Emmanuel, God with us. The virgin birth of the Savior, yet future, would come from the lineage of King David. Verse 9, Be shattered, O you peoples, and be broken in pieces. Give ear, all you from far countries. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. And here's why for God is with us. This is the prophecy through the prophet Isaiah. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, the Assyrians are still coming, because God has spoken the word, and God is with the prophet Isaiah, and the prophetic words spoken by Isaiah. What's the point? The point is, is that when God says it, that settles it. If it's in God's Word, and it is, then it will surely come to pass. And by the way, one has counted some 3,000 promises in the Word of God. Now let's take just a moment on this. There are 3,000 promises in the Word of God where God has given you His Word, His promise. 3,000. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Because, like you just said, if God can't break His Word, and He can't, and He's given us 3,000 promises in His Word, oh, that's a good thing. You better believe it's a good thing. God said it, that settles it. Now, you can take that and apply that to your personal situation. You have a situation that you're dealing with, and God knows what you're dealing with. And it's very hard, it's very difficult. Go to the Word. First response, not last resort. 
Yeah, I know you've read that passage before. You probably have it on your wallpaper. You've got it on those flip calendar things. By the way, do you ever, you know, get behind on those and you have to like flip eight days to get to the... But there's 3,000 of these promises that promise you promises like this where God has given you His Word. Um, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, no trial has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, but that God will with and in and through that trial provide the way of escape so that you can be be able to bear up under it. How about Romans 8.28? We love that one, don't we? Except for when you're in the midst of a trial and somebody quotes it to you. Oh, good. I'm glad you responded like that. Sounds like you do the same thing I do. It's hard to warm up to somebody. I mean, they're not going through the trial. You're going through the trial. And they come up to you, well, you remember Romans 8, 28, for we know. You're like, I knew that promise. But that's God's Word. And you can't go back on that Word. And I know that everything around you in your life contradicts it, and chafes against it. And it looks impossible. You look at your situation and you, you think to yourself, well, this is going to be the one that breaks Romans 8.28, because there's no way God can work this out for the good. Oh, wow. Whoa. You think that, wow. Who? I'm not worthy. You're the one. All the generations for the last 2,000 years. When God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this to the church at Rome, you're the one, the first one. Wow. You must be really important. You're going to be the first one. Your situation, God's going to go, you know, I made that promise to everyone but you, because I don't, there's this one? No, there's no way. I know again that's absurd, but you get the point, right? No, that's a promise that God made, and that's a promise that God will keep. And you can do what you want. You can say what you want. It's still going to happen. You can go kicking, fighting, biting, scratching all along the way. But (laughs) at the end of the day, God's promise will be fulfilled. God's Word will be the final word. We're going to talk about that more here at the end. Verse 11, Now this is interesting. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, verse 13, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. We need a little bit of the backstory here again, and it's found again in Second Kings 18 and 19. I would really encourage you to, in your time in God's Word, uh, revisit those two chapters. Very, very interesting. I mean, the threats coming out of Assyria were going to, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, they're getting letters from the king of Assyria saying things like, I mean, this is a very loose paraphrase, like, we're going to eat you for lunch, uh, and we're going to, you know, save the leftovers and give the leftovers to our dogs. And you guys are toast with a capital T and a capital toast, actually, you're done. And they were conspiring together to come against Judah and overtake Judah. And they were just gripped and riddled with fear, and their hearts were troubled, and rightfully so. I mean, after all, it was a conspiracy. Oh, by the way, notice conspicuously absent from the narrative is any word of or mention of the word theory. We've talked about this in an update, by the way. No, um, conspiracy fact. You know, the term conspiracy theory was first developed deliberately by the CIA to label people who were onto what they were doing as wax. So they, they coined the phrase conspiracy theory so that they would be dismissed out of hand. And it's happening today. So here's the question, do you believe that there's an evil conspiracy? I do. <laughs> we talk about it every Sunday. And thank God for His Word. Um, I, I know, I've, I've preached this, I've taught this, I know this, I've studied this, I've referred to this. Even in a prophecy update, I've referred to this passage here, especially uh, verse 12 about uh, don't be afraid of what they are conspiring, their conspiracy. Don't be afraid and don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah, but do you know what they're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's so evil. I know. I mean, but the, it's a conspiracy. I know. Are you going to be afraid? No, you don't fear the evil conspiracies of man. You fear the Lord. You fear the Lord. And the problem with these guys were that they were listening to these threats coming out of Assyria because of the conspiracy, the evil conspiracy to destroy them. There is this evil conspiracy and the devil is in the details literally. They are conspiring, and it, is, and it comes from the pit of hell, the destruction of mankind. And it's a conspiracy. And it's evil. And they're seeking, the devil is seeking for man's damnation. That's the plan, the evil plan, the evil conspiracy. But God has a plan for man's eternal salvation. Now, we have a choice. We have a decision to make here. We know that there is an evil conspiracy, that the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, that there is an evil plot afoot to destroy the population 
of the world exactly as we were told it would be at the time of the end, and it's happening, are we going to fear because of what we hear they're planning? Or are we going to fear the Lord? Now, we fear that which we hear. What's the antithesis of fear? Faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I love those sayings. They're kind of dorky, but I like dorky. <laughs> uh, one week without God's Word makes one week. I'll give you again, I know it's a delayed reaction, makes one W-E-A-K, just, you know, thought I'd... You're uh, weak in your faith? When was the last time you were in the Word of God? Because that's where faith comes. But that's also where fear comes. It works both ways. See, they were hearing the words of Sennacherib, who was sending these terrifying letters of what they were going to do to Judah. And they, and they, they feared because of what they heard. <laughs> I know that's, a, again, not a proper sentence structure, but you get the point, right? So if faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and fear comes by hearing the word of the enemy, then what am I going to do? And how am I going to do it? I don't want to be in fear of man. I want to fear the Lord. How am I going to transition? Because I'm, I'm paralyzed in fear. I, the, the, the threat that the circumstances, they are perilous at every turn. No matter how I look at this, from whatever angle I look at this, it just looks perilous. And I'm gripped by fear, and my heart is troubled. Well, it sounds to me like you've been hearing the threats, the conspiracies from the evil one, more than you've been hearing the Word of God, the promises of God. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Here's an example. I'll just use an example in my own life recently. Um, situation arose, and at first I'm looking at this thing going, oh Lord, <laughs> I, got a, I got a letter from Sennacherib. And it's kind of interesting because that last letter that came um, Hezekiah just lays it out before the Lord. And that's what you should always do whenever you get those letters or emails. <laughs> you know those emails, which ones I'm talking about, right? You just lay it out and you go, Lord, did you, did you? Yeah, I saw it. I, I knew before they sent it, they, they were going to send it. Could you imagine? You're like, Lord, did you, did you see? No, oh, when did that come in? What, what, what did they say? No, you didn't read. You're, no, he, he knew. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.